0: spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples today. Welcome to Totally Lit, the podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host Kai Garvey. Thank you for listening totally lit is back thank you so much for your patience while I took a break in the latter half of 2023 I'm really very relieved to share that my little family is back on track I got my little guy through year 12 and he is all set to tackle the world both boys are really in great places at the moment which leaves me with the chance to continue to be creative and to write and of course interview some amazing talent from the Australian creative community I just wanted to give a big shout out to all the other parents out there caring and raising their children with a disability. It's a hard slog. Please take some time out for yourselves, even if it is something small. We're all better carers when we are strong and we are in a good headspace. While I've been having some downtime, I've also been in the background busily creating a wonderful list of literary guests for your listening pleasure. I'm very excited to share my first guest of 2024 is the uber talented Dave Faulkner. Dave is an award-winning singer-songwriter, guitarist, keyboardist and composer. Dave has composed the soundtracks for a number of Australian movies, written as a music critic for the Saturday Paper and has been a member of several Aussie bands, although you may know him best as the frontman of the Hoodoo Gurus. Dave has very graciously come on the pod to chat songwriting with me. I hope you enjoy our chat. I was super proud of myself. I didn't sing at him once. Have a listen and tell me what you think. Dave Faulkner, welcome to Totally Lit.
1: Thanks, Kai. Nice to be here.
0: I'm so thrilled that you agreed to chat with me about songwriting, because I thought if I'm going to chat songwriting, I want to go to the best.
1: It's <laughs> very kind of you. Um, but I've done it for a while, so I might have learnt one or two things. Not Not sure I can pass on tips, but I tell you how i you know my experiences such as they are
0: yeah, well you've put out some bangers over the years so um i thought i would chat to you i want to talk about the craft of songwriting um but first i'd like to start with when did you write your first song
1: it's something i don't really know exactly about you know it wasn't something i set, ever set out to do i just started making up words and singing when i was a kid and i didn't really cotton into the fact that that's a literally thing called songwriting until a bit later but I was just, you know, used to love music and and uh, just felt like somehow, you know, expressing that, and that was what I did. But then, obviously, later I knew that, that there was this thing called songwriting, and, and uh, you know, I was in a band in high school, and I, I wrote a couple of songs for that, which were terrible, but, you know, I got my start doing that.
0: Do you recall which was your first, no. first song? No. <laughs>
1: no, I don't. No, my mother had a cassette uh, of some songs that she'd always... Sort of almost not quite threatened me with, but she she loved these songs and uh, she always wanted to play them and say, "Oh, you should release those songs." And I'm like, "No, thanks, mum. That's all right."
0: <laughs> but you know the early
1: efforts, you know they they were they were pretty, but uh, you know pretty also pretty insignificant as well.
0: You've got to start somewhere. Yeah,
1: yeah. Everyone does. You start with you know you you, you write like anything. You 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 start as an imitation of your influences, and then you start to synthesise them into a more natural way and it just becomes that mm-hmm. uh, you know your voice instead of someone mm-hmm. else's
0: so songwriting was something you had to learn but there was a bit of an organic process there as well
1: uh had to learn I mean I just did it you know um I didn't learn it in the sense other than purely by you know as you say like you know, repeating it and trying it and getting better results just uh, being better at it um but there was no books to read about it or or, or mentors to help me other than, than the great songwriters of the past who I mm. you know, listened to and admired their music and obviously you know trying to get my mind into what was so great about their music and when you do your own songs you're trying to get the same f- feelings out of it mm. that, that you get from theirs. Sorry, I didn't quite answer your question. That's okay. That's <laughs>
0: okay. I think you have. <laughs> it sounds like there was a bit of natural talent there.
1: To yeah, be. well, music's always been there. Obviously, mm. um, uh, when I was a kid... I was also pretty good at drawing, and and in fact, my art skills were what first drew uh, attention to my, to me as mm. a, as being someone that might be more artistic. Yeah. And music was just always there in the background in a funny way. And consequently, when I was growing up, my family, and my my parents in particular, you know, they they were uncertain about the idea of being an artist for for a career. So they mm. tried to guide me towards something more. Solid, yeah. and uh, so that became architecture. And mm. I enrolled in architecture in, in university, and I didn't go to lectures because I was too busy playing music. And it wasn't until I failed architecture that I had to kind of really look at myself and see what the hell I was doing with my life. And mm. it was obvious music was was all I was doing. Yeah. So I just kind of just went with that. It was it was it it shows me rather than me choosing it. I didn't, as I say, I didn't sort of fantasize about being a musician. I just happened to be one, mm. and then obviously that's what I stayed as.
0: So you have. Any, any of the songs that you've written, have they ever been influenced by things that you've been reading, or has it been more by music or and musicians?
1: Yeah, um, reading, it's hard one to specifically think of reading, uh, you know, I've read voraciously at different times in my life, but um, I've got to be honest that the Hoodoo Gurus were famous for being influenced by um, trashy TV and, and yeah. uh, Hollywood, uh, you know, bee pictures, so, mm. and that, that was something we were quite proud of, really, in the yeah. beginning. Um, that's something we moved away from quite quickly, but it's there's still that sense there. I have a you know a great appreciation of, of low culture as well as high oh. culture, so I couldn't specifically name a book. I, you know, I have to look at look at a list of all the songs to make sure that it wasn't true, but I could certainly pick out a few sitcoms and. Well, I'm going to
0: mention what's my scene. Right, got a bit of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, of course. I mean, you know,
1: uh, that—that's just a yeah. Obviously, well, that's a, such a, a trope, you know, yes. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, that's just punning on the idea of yeah. you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, using a couple of Shakespeare titles in there. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream is the other line in there. Um, other reference, but um, yeah, obviously. I, to be honest, I—I've I've never read Romeo and Juliet. I'm sure I've seen productions of it. And I've obviously seen the films of it, but uh, don't think I've ever read the play. Um,
0: so that's really in culture enough to be considered pop culture these days, I think. Of course, Shakespeare, really completely. Uh, and he,
1: he was pop in the, in, back in the day, mm, of course, mm. so um, you know, that's something that people forget, you know, that some of uh, our, you know, hallowed artists were basically entertainers in yeah. their own era. Mm.
0: And I love some of your songs like Right Back at the Start, Leilani, and, and my boys loved that when I was listening uh, in the car and right. they are like, oh, like Mum, play the Volcano song. And,
1: um, <laughs> well, that, that's from a movie called Bird of Paradise mm. is where that came from. Okay. Um, uh, there's a couple of versions of that. Uh, Dolores Del Rio did one in black and white and then I think Deborah Paget maybe was in the, the colour one. But um, mm. yeah, so it's a... The classic Hollywood, you know, yeah. sort of forties uh, start was it originally a thirties movie. I think I'm not sure, but uh, you know, it's that sort of uh, pastiche of you know of of, of uh, legends of you know princesses being thrown into volcanoes to appease an angry mountain god. Mm. You know, some sort of weird pantheistic religion that, um, and we like that. You know, obviously, yeah. it's uh, mm. just as I say because it's sort of cornball fifties mm. sci fi, forties, you know, k- k- kitsch. Yeah. and
0: was that what you were aiming for with those sort of songs we
1: were just aiming to amuse ourselves yeah. um you know i came out of punk rock um and that was very much a insular really uh music form we we had no desire to kind of exp- um to talk to outside people it was mm. very inward looking yeah. it was just the fans of your music and you they were like your friends yeah and then the hoodoo Guru sort of followed within a couple of years of that and we we weren't doing it for a career move. We were just doing a band because we just felt like playing music. And and at this time, we were we absorbed a lot more influences. And we kind of after punk rock, it was really a time of like releasing all of that strictness. You know, like the being very regimented in the act It's got to be just hard and fast guitar playing. And you know, and 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 sort of, I mean, punk rock had a lot of colors to it. But you know, that was it was very much uh, you know it got to be kind of regimented. And you know, I started to listen to a lot of other different musics mm-hmm. in the meantime that I'd kind of shut down uh, during the punk rock era. It was kind of like this weird sort of purification ritual, and then I could just kind of opened my ears up and was able to explore further. And you know, still armed with that that sensibility of you know punk rock, which was you know not uh, you know don't bore us, get to the chorus, or whatever mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, and just not being about pretentiousness, yeah. uh, you know. And, and also the quirkiness of punk as well. You know, there's a bit of quirkiness in there that I, that I always related to, so that sort of carried on as well. Um, anyway, for whatever reason, you know, we, we started to diversify our influences and that sort of came out in this sort of strange melange of different things in, in the subject matter of the songs we were writing and also the sorts of songs we are writing as well. Mm.
0: So that um, leads me into the next question. When you're writing songs, are they based on real events or are they fictional? So I get the vibe that yours is a mix of both. Yeah, I mean,
1: it, 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 it's, there's, there's a bit of both in every song. Mm. Um, we, even when you're writing most uh, you know, personal story, you do slightly... Broaden it so that it can be more universal, so that someone understands what you're talking about, rather than had to be in the room with you at that moment. That incident that triggered it caused that song to be written, whatever it is, you know, that, that event or experience. Um, so there is a little bit of slight abstraction in a sense, or you're know, distancing from the from mm-hmm. the deeply purely you know, personal to me that no one else could ever understand unless they were me. Yeah. So you sort of slightly, as I say, expand it out to be I'm talking about this. You know, it's it's it's, it's outward. And then songs that are completely based on you know silliness do reveal things about you as well, because the way you write them and the things that little refer- little things that go in that, uh, that that sneak up on you afterwards you mm. know that you realize you said you said something more about your own uh, inner psyche than you realize yeah. you know I mean even the idea of writing a song about a girl being thrown in a volcano, I mean what's that about that sort of is revealing in something about my psychological makeup, I'm sure. Um, you know, because what is it about that story that appeals to me? And, the, you know, this, it's it it's as much as what you're not talking about as much as what you are talking about. There's a whole, you know. Mm. But, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, songs can do lots of different things. You know, some songs are just great for dancing or, you know, having mm. fun to or whatever and, other, and, you know, have or having a laugh. And other songs are maybe make you, you know, ponder... Mm -hmm. your own life or you know maybe you've had a similar experience and it makes you sort of see it differently through the way that that song makes you reinterpret your emotions Mm -hmm. and your experiences so there's not a one-size-fits-all with songwriting and Mm -hmm. just like any sort of you know creative process uh,
0: well i think it can be individualized in that what you've written i can listen to and have a really different reaction to it even though it connects to me with something that's happened in my life absolutely
1: well that's that's art generally Mm -hmm. you know i mean even the most specific art, obviously, is something you relate to yourself and connect to, separate to what the artist put into it, even though they, are, they think they've made it very explicit and so completely unmistakable as to what they're talking about, you can still have your own nuanced view of it through yeah. from, from the prism of your experience and your emotions. Mm. Um, but the thing about music that's so great is that, you know, the actual music itself bypasses a lot of the intellect Oh. and so it becomes in a sense its own language that speaks to emotion to emotion without the filter of you know having to cogitate or interpret you know you mm-hmm. literally you respond the way the music makes you feel and that's a gift that music has that other arts don't always have mm-hmm. i mean obviously you know for example in know, visual arts you, you get a feeling from colors and the and you know the, maybe some of the images that they're there they can be extreme images that make you feel you know confronted mm-hmm. um but just like a, a loud guitar chord can make you mm. feel confronted yeah. <laughs> um, so you know there are commonalities but music has, does have that unique ability to, to mm. kind of speak directly to your emotions just mm. through the musical thing and then the, obviously the lyrics in some ways confines that yeah.
2: uh,
1: but also can gain from that you know uh, uh, a lyric can can add have added nuance just from the flavor of the music underneath it it gives it a bit of more um, texture or something or, or you know other other notes you know you can have a, 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 a very sad lyric with a happy music underneath or mm-hmm. vice versa and the two in th- that contrast can actually add a different kind of te- flavor mm-hmm. that neither alone could ever give you
0: yeah now writing in general can be a lonely process when you're writing on mm-hmm. your own um better
1: off lonely too i mean i, I hate having people overhear me when oh, I'm writing. Really? i can't do it yeah yeah i so need to be n- i can't have any eavesdropping it just it, mm-hmm. it actually makes me too self-conscious
0: interesting to know so do you collaborate with your bandmates when you're writing songs or do you go all no on and you write
1: on no i mean i have collaborated a lot with um mainly our guitarist brad mm. um but he usually it's something he starts and then i'll come in and i'll i'll finish the song off or yeah. have suggestions of things to do to it as it but my own songs generally speaking um you know i originate them and complete them by myself and and okay. yeah mm. so yeah, I'm a finisher-offer of Brad's yes, songs yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and, right. um, you know, he writes songs by himself as well. But yeah. by and large, my own songs, mm. you know, I know exactly what I want to do with them. And um, Yeah. Mm. And, and that also comes down to a whole lot of other things, the arrangements and the other mm. things in them. They're, a lot of those things are inherent to the songs for me. It's yeah. not just the melody line and the lyric. Mm. There's also, there's I get the, the groove of it, the feel of it is part of the creation mm. process for me. Sometimes that's what causes the song mm. to be written. So is It's okay. literally a drum beat? For yep. example, in the case of the song "Like Wow Wipe Out, there was mm. that drum beat that wrote. That's what caused the song to be written, oh,
2: it's the or a little,
1: or a little melodic figure on the guitar. You know mm. that those mm. things that you would say, "Well, that's the guitar part," but in fact, that's the bit that started the song off as a writer.
0: Right. So it okay. wasn't something so that got added. That wasn't what
1: got added later. That's actually the part that began the song.
0: So when I ask you which comes first, the music or the lyrics, it's there's music. Not a real answer there. So uh, yeah. Listening.
1: By and large, most songwriters. Um, majority Mm. is music first, which always surprises um, people that don't write songs Um. because they think, well, what were you writing about if you didn't didn't have a a story you were going to tell? But, you know, like anyone, you know, we've got lots of different experiences that we can always, you know, we're having a conversation now and things are coming up in our conversation that I wouldn't normally be talking about but you know, prompted that just by the questions you're asking me or whatever. And it's the same thing when I'm writing a song, you know, the music might suggest some feelings and I might think of some experience that I've had lately that has kind of been bugging me, that, you know, sort of mm-hmm. it's looking for an opportunity to kind of to come out in its own way and that music can give it an avenue. So, so is that
0: a bit of a cathartic experience for
1: you? It, it is. Some, but, I, but that said, I, I, by and large, I do write personally from a position of being in a state of calmness, not mm-hmm. not agitation and not, not not like just had a fight with someone, I've got to talk about it because I can't express it any other yeah. way. A Couple of songs have been written like that. Uh, one in particular that I talk about is a song called Night Must Fall on our In Blue Cave album, which was written about two friends of mine who would, had very serious illnesses and um, they, their illnesses had taken a terrible decline. Well, actually one had died and the other one was had just had her cancer return, mm-hmm. uh, very aggressively, and was in a week of each other. I heard this news, and I was I was completely overwhelmed. So I actually, in that particular moment, I had to write the song to kind of, in a way, process that you know, what yes. I was feeling. But often I can't do that. Um, yes. That was literally you know, me grat- you know, crying out for help in a sense, using the guitar to help me kind of you know connect back to to, to as I say get that stuff out. But yeah. by and large. You when I'm writing a song, I'm I, I'm in a work mode, and I and I I like to feel centered, so I can actually not be objective. But you know, I'm not I'm not you know, if, if you're all steamed up about something, if you whether it's you're angry or whatever, you can't really be you know objective enough to to put that down clearly. You're, mm. you're so caught up in it that you you know you can be over overly uh, you know melodramatic or whatever yeah. you know. So it's hard to kind of express things clearly when you're agitated. Mm-hmm. So I like to, you know, be in a in a calm state of mind and just, you know, work that way. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't, you know, it's not cathartic in that sense, but it's cathartic in that you are releasing things that are really important to you, and, and you, you know, whether it's, you know, your political views about something or social angles on things or just emotional stuff that's going on in your life that's been really difficult. I mean, there's a song in our most recent album which was... Very much like that, it was a song without a friendship in mind. That was that was very much on its last legs, and in fact, <laughs> this, the friendship ended shortly after I wrote the song. So the song was almost predicting the end of the friendship. Okay. Uh, but it was because sh- it it showed the friendship in a very parlous state. Well, it, well, it was this. It was it was me d- depicting the relationship that my friend was in that was the impinging on our friendship, and actually it was what caused the friendship to end mm. because the, their their relationship was so turbulent that in fact i wasn't allowed to be part of that friendship anymore but um so yeah songs can be you know they they have all sorts of different things they do and and even some of the most a song like that for example is a uh, a song called answered prayers and it's very much uh about a very dysfunctional relationship a very unequal one partner's very abusive emotionally to the other one and um in some ways, I can almost see myself in there, though, because I'm, I'm uh, you know, there are things about my relations to other people I, I can see that I'm, you know, at fault and you know, not necessarily the most, uh, you know, mm. uh, generous person or whatever. You know, sometimes can be very selfish, and, and that song expresses that part of my psyche. Yep. That even though I'm talking about someone else who, who's, who I think is a horrible person uh, in that song, um, you know, it's not as a writer you're never entirely guilt-free you know you, yeah. you and also you change the story to kind of make yourself the hero of your own story yeah. you know mm. it's always from your point of view mm. so the other party doesn't get a look in to kind of say well actually
0: it's perspective isn't yeah, it? yeah. yeah yeah but that's
1: what's valuable about it because you are giving it a, a, an absolute prism and, and people can actually you know then weigh what they think about it from their from their own experience when they listen to it they think that I'm you know completely uh, t- telling a lie or or, or speaking the truth for them
0: now I did watch a doco on the Gurus who had I saw that the like Wow white part you'd written about a friend of yours that you knew in New York is that right yeah it was sort of a
1: tribute it was yeah. it was it was not not specifically uh, the song is a I mentioned earlier about you know songs that are for fun that's mm. very much just like a let your hair down you know blasted out sort of song yeah. and you know dance number whatever mm. um and this is a this is a person who worked for a record company who was a really cool person and mm. and she was very va- um important to the band early on in america mm. she she was a great supporter of ours and and it was kind of like a thank you you yeah. know put her in the mm. song and and i never told her and and it was only oh, many she
0: didn't
1: know no no well she sort of i think she must have a yeah. guess because years later this came up in in a in an interview, and she said she said you know in the interview like I always thought it was about me, and in fact, you know, uh, and I, I confirmed it later, uh, so I said yeah, in fact, you, were right, you know, it was about you because it says about you know I kissed the city of New York where yes. I first met you that yeah. she was from New York City, so that was you know a little shout out to her so that she would yeah. know. I mean, yeah.
0: So my that leads me up to another question about: Have you written a song for someone? And how have they received it in terms of if you've played it to them or they knew that it was
1: about them? Um, I don't really know that I've ever done that where i said, this is for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The song that, the one I did just talk about a minute ago though, The Answered Prayers, the person that that was about, in fact, who was actually the one who I feel is the, the victim of this abusive relationship. They were a bit taken aback when they heard the song because okay. obviously they, they they
0: realized
1: well they don't feel that they're in that situation you know because
0: oh, okay you know
1: so mm. um i haven't spoken to them about it because that friendship ended yeah. uh, the, before they heard the song in mm. fact when i wrote the song i didn't think we'd ever get ever recorded mm. because i thought this will end our friendship this song because it's such a bleak view of yeah. their relationship
2: mm.
1: and um yeah so that was interesting uh but it was the truth in my, from my perspective, you know, obviously it's a one-sided view of yeah. things. But um, as far as the other ones go, uh, you no, know, it's funny. No, no, I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't be. There's been many experiences where people have had songs written about them, and they've been. Uh, sometimes they've been they've realised straight away. Sometimes mm. they've been, they've been told by someone else. Yeah. They said that's you, isn't it? You know, <laughs> they, and. Uh, yeah, a very good friend of mine actually laughed uh, because there's about one album actually has about three songs oh, ab- wow. about them. Mm. And, uh, but tangentially, like it's again me changing the story to, yeah. be, to make it a narrative out of it mm. and to make it comprehensible for someone else. So, in fact, I fictionalized the story, but there's elements of things I was feeling about that, mm. that, that friendship in that song. And that's that's always happening, you know. Yeah. As on the new album, of course, as well. Other songs, and I mean the new album, for example, which is called Charity of the Gods, which yeah. is not so new now, came out in, in 2022. But um, it was very personal, actually. Mm. A lot of the songs on that, um, where I, I, it's a lot of it, is about specific people in my life, and also about my own uh, feelings about things, and and. But, you know, on the surface, people listen to it and they say, well, that sounds like your first album again. Like, they Mm. they thought it was a bit of a a return to what we used to sound like when we began. I mean, I can't see it, but Mm. anyway, I'm sort of digressing a little bit. That's
0: okay. Which has been the most difficult song for you to write? Do you have any... Well,
1: the one I mentioned Mm. earlier, uh, Night Must Fall, um, was very difficult because, just emotionally, because I was was in such a troubled state of mind and that song Mm. helped me. But it was, you know, it was a very... I was awful feeling that way and having to and trying to write a song through that. Mm. At the same time, I was very proud afterwards, and I felt really good that I felt expressed how I felt. So that's emotionally difficult. As far as fiz- like literally difficult to write, I mean, it's songs where you have something you're trying to say and you haven't quite nailed it or distilled it properly, mm. and and you 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 have to always sort of go back and edit more. And there was a song on. Um, the album before the last one, of the album called *Purity of Essence*, is a song called *The Stars Look Down*, which I had pretty much like two, th- three quarters of the lyric done, or two thirds, certainly, no, probably closer to three quarters of the lyric, and it just wasn't as in, as in, the lyric was. I had a full lyric, but I, I wasn't. I, it just didn't feel like it was proper. It was ready yet. It wasn't. It hadn't quite said what I felt I was trying to say, mm. and and um, I had to kind of basically just really sort of. Focus in and, and just get rid of some lines that didn't seem to be doing anything to mm. advance the story or or to complete the thought of what I was trying to express. And I remember going to the studio to record the vocal, and I said to produce to, to the co-producer, my friend Giles Fisher, um, whose whose instincts I very much trust. And I said, "Look, I've written the song, and it and I've got it now to the point where I think it says what I want, and I you know, and if if this lyric doesn't work now." we'll pretty much have to abandon the song because i mm. have to start from scratch because I've gone exactly where this lyric was meant to go. I mean, I, I was happy with the lyric, but it, but I wasn't sure anyone else would understand what I was saying mm. because it was kind of one of the more um, poetic lyrics I wrote. You know, it, less, less, it, was, it was a series of images talking about death and things like that, which were, I wasn't sure that the story would be quite clear, the, the way the song progresses. But it, anyway, as it happened, he heard it and he said, it's great. Yeah. I understand it. Mm. I mean, you know, he, he just felt, he may not know specifically every detail of what I was saying, but he, he got the drift of what it was about, and, mm. and, the, and it felt, you know, like it was saying something to him. So that was good. Um, other songs, as I say, have taken like a year or two to finish the lyric. Okay. So
0: because, you be know, I mean, process. they
1: just, because lyrics, they take a lot of fine tuning um, mm. sometimes. Other times, you know, they, they're they written off at the last minute because I'm a procrastinator from hell. So, you know, yeah. it, like the lyric for Like Wow Wipeout, I had to, mm. I didn't write till, I would had it like a verse perhaps, but that was it. And I had to get over and sing the vocals. Mm. So I had to write the lyrics that morning to finish it off and go in a, like an hour later. But
0: I, I did just watch...
1: But "Castles in um, the air is a song I took me a long time to write the final one. Uh, there's a song on the, on the most recent album called um, Carry On. Mm. And I remember the feeling of... Excitement. I mean, it's almost like, it was kind of silly, really. I was was so exuberant when I got the final couplets in of the song that finished off the the lyric uh, because I had reached, again, that sort of stumbling block. I always like a song to kind of, like, to to crystallise at the end or to take some sort of switch to kind of, like, to... um, you know, I don't like when you hear a song and the first verse tells you all you need to know, and then it's just yeah. more of the same. The song ends yeah. with just after several verses
0: with a few tropes thrown in. Yeah, and, but
1: you know, yeah. you don't learn anything new. And I like the song to actually either reveal itself more at the end, or to mm. complete the thought, or something. It's got to feel like there's a, in a sense, like a lock locking mechanism at the end where it where it's like draws a line and that thought is completed. There's not it's not just an extension of the first idea mm. that just dragged out till it till you stop. Yep. So anyway, when I got this final couplet on the last verse, I was actually I was jumping around the room, literally jumping around the room with excitement, which is kind of silly at my age. A lot of
0: writers understand that feeling when you've written something and you know it's good and it just feels right. Yeah, you yeah, just—I understand that feeling. Yeah, because you
1: you, yeah. you, cause you, you you're, you're grasping in the dark in a sense. Mm. You know, you know there's something you're trying to get out there and you don't know what it is. If you did know, you'd, you'd write it straight away. Yep. But you are just sort of, you have a feeling of like, there's something I'm trying to say, but what is it? What is it? What are, where am I supposed to go right now? And and as I say, I got this final thought. It was like, this is it. This kind of reflects what I'd said earlier in the song, but at the same time, it changes it to crystallise the thought into what a, what the song means, to go, where, where do you go from here? Mm. And that's what the song was trying to get to that. Mm. So, yeah, it takes a lot of work. And, yep. and it's also, you know, not, not allowing us... Uh, I've let myself off the hook too often in the past which mm. I regretted where I did let a lyric get through that didn't uh, quite yeah. Yeah. nail it often I've been my, my biggest problem has been and, and a lot of authors say this whether no matter whether it's you know books or you know magazine articles or, or songs I mean I, they say that the be, the beginning the opening is very important. Mm. And for me, it's crucial. If I can't get it, the first line's not right. It can poison the whole song for me. And I've had a few songs where that's happened where where I was stuck with the first line. I didn't get rid of it. I should have. But I wrote the song and it's like, oh God, that song doesn't say anything to me. It doesn't Mm quite, it started off off in a weak way in a sense that it wasn't wasn't legit. Mm -hmm. You know? And, And I was just kind of, how, I was many, I was kind of you know I, I kind of knew but I was kind of ignoring it to kind of see where I would go and unfortunately it I just go in the wrong direction straight away
0: and how many songs would not make the album that would get scrapped um, if they weren't feeling right
1: scrapped um, yeah it's a funny thing I mean
0: or do they sit somewhere until you come back the, yeah
1: songs it, it, I mean it sounds arrogant but when the song is finished usually it's a good song for me yeah um, it may not be right for the band, the band mm-hmm. may not like it, it may not, the band may play it and it may not sound any good yeah. to the, you know, when we're in the room. It doesn't mean the song was bad, it just meant something doesn't work in chemi- the chemistry between the band and the song. So I, you know, I can't change that. I've, I long ago stopped, gave up any idea that, you know, I could, you know, force something mm-hmm. through. But, um...
0: Do you find other homes for, for songs? If no, like I don't that?
1: really. I mean, I do, you know, no, no. no. But, the, you know, so there were songs that are... But a lot of songs, end up, they don't... I don't finish them off either necessarily mm. until, like, I'll go to the rehearsal room with the, with the song musically it's fairly clear, but the lyrics may not be finished. Right. As I say, that's quite common. Mm. And um, so there's songs that just don't ever get finished mm. and there's a lot of those.
0: I um, watched an Amy Winehouse doco recently and she they were showing shots of her writing songs and there were like lists of rhyming words down yep. the side do you ever get to that point oh yeah totally i yeah. mean you
1: have to i mean mm. people again you know people are surprised when you say that you know, you might use a rhyming dictionary or mm. or write the alphabet and put the different syllables after it to see what the rhyme might mm. be suggested um but again it's a, it's a it's a tool to help you associate a meaning a word comes up and you go well that word's not right because yes. i can't think of anything that that mm. would i be saying with that word but just having the word can trigger an association, and you can get a something that will kind of be a a, a thought that is part of the, the you know what what you're saying. So it's just a tool, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so yes, absolutely. I mean, without rhyming dictionaries, and I mean, I do believe in rhyming. I mean, a lot of my songs are very strict rhyme. Um, very rarely do I have free verse sort of songs, you know, with no rhymes. Mm-hmm. So I am forced basically to rhyme songs, and yeah. so therefore it's it's tying one arm behind your back in a sense and yeah. as in you can't just say anything you want mm. but at the same time parameters like that can be you know freeing
0: so this is something i've wondered as a fan in the audience is what is it like to hear your songs being sung back to you when you're in oh, a amazing. massive crowd it's amazing everyone knows it word for word yes yeah, it's,
1: it's incredible uh obviously that's you know very never gets old in that mm. sense you know you feel um i don't know uh, no, uh it's just nice to know that you connected to people um, And also you know I'm a great believer in, in the, the energy that, that goes between an audience and a, and a performer it's, it's a two-way affair and, mm. and you know you there's something that, that is that is magical I think spiritual whatever that happens um, within performance in, in front of people It doesn't happen over, over electronic media you know, so televised or internet or, mm. or through a recording you know listening to a record. I mean those are great experiences and they're all valuable. But the, the, literally the thing of communing together and making music together, because it is together, mm. you know, even though we're playing instruments and they're just listening, but they're contributing into the energy of the, the situation. There's something magical that happens. So, yeah, when they're singing your songs back at you, that's an, another dimension on top of that.
0: Yeah, that I, I've been in the crowd just going, wow, this is insane and amazing.
1: Well, well, it's nice to, you know, like, it was something that, you know, obviously I discovered quite early in my career when you find your music... Going places you could never dream. Mm. You know, it's one thing to you know to have punters that come to a show that know your music, and that's normal. You know, you expect that they're your fans, they bought your record, they Mm. come along, they know the songs. But when you're meeting people that are completely from different walks of life and in different unusual places, that your music's in there, Mm. that's quite bizarre. You know, um, very early on, we did a video for a song called My Girl on our first album, and we um, had a greyhound track sort of in the story about a trainer and his greyhound was mm. the was the video the song's not about that but the video was and then like we heard about a few months you know six months later or something like that, we heard that they or maybe a few months later when the single came out that the, the the race meeting they suddenly just said uh well we're now going to play a song by the hoodoo gurus <laughs> over there, in, over the monitors, you know, which they shows all the different race meetings that are going on. Because you know how the races—they never stop. There's always something on top. You know, there's a race here, there, and everywhere. You know, all over the world, really. And they're always betting on every betting on every race. So it's super important. They interrupted it to show you like a three-minute, three and a half-minute pop video you because know, they like the song so much and they like. And I just thought this is wild. Yeah. This is us actually in the real world, so to speak. You know, not just in the rock and roll ghetto or you know a music venue. And you know, we're actually out there touching people's lives in a more general way, which uh, mm. I was really amazed by that. And that's obviously been borne out many, many times over the years, you know, such as when we played on a Navy ship, you know, yes. and things like that, mm. the, the crazy experiences that you couldn't imagine.
0: your dad was in the Navy. Wasn't he it? was in the Navy in yeah. World War
1: II, so yeah. So was that, like, an amazing experience to play on a Navy
0: ship?
1: It was, it was. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, my father didn't like rock and roll, and oh, uh, no. he never understood it. He thought that the kids were being hypnotised, and they would yeah. like, if they only heard the proper music, they'd like that better. Mm. Uh, you know things like Bing Crosby, things like that. Yep. You know, yep. so um, uh, so when you know we're playing on board this vessel and it's just Huda Guru's and this this uh, sh- this crew and and my father, he's the only other guest, and he was kind of completely blown mm-hmm. away that you know there's no other dignitaries or you know people. That, so oh, yeah, so he was he have? was like, how does this happen? You know, because yeah. and I also yeah. I'm wondering how does this happen? Yes. I mean, I, you know, I know it's happening, but it's very strange and 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 cool. And so, yeah, our world's world's got to collide in a way we could never have expected, you know, Mm. in that
0: moment. It gives gives you a wonderful opportunity. I've I've got a picture book out, and sometimes I just go to my dad, you know, that's you in the book, Dad. Right, right. (laughs) So he's on the cover, although he would never wear a flanny like the character does in my book. Yeah, but But that's that's all good. It's a wonderful way to... um, Commemorate something from your life and say, Oh, we did because my dad used to take me roller skating on a Saturday morning, and that's what my book's about. And I, I can go, Thanks, dad, I have this wonderful memory, and now we're sharing it with the world. Yep, of, yeah, yep, absolutely. So, um, I'd love to ask you about your process when you're writing a song. Mm. What do you just dash it out in a notebook, or is there do you set yourself aside time? Yeah, you know?
1: I, I, I'm very much. Um, I accumulate ideas just in my general day-to-day mm. existence, so I don't sort of don't realize I'm doing it.
2: Yeah.
1: I use my iPhone. Um, mm. If I'm out, I do morning exercise. Go for a big walk in the mornings, and often, you know, there's little musical ideas popping into my head without me realizing it. You know, it's, it's a bit like a radio station is always sort of playing in the background with, with okay. me, you know, like, or a tempo or something. There's a groove mm. sort of there which I can tune into or, or ignore, mm. but it's sort of it's, my brain is partly you know, sensitized to that all the time. So it's always a part of my brain sort of slightly musically ticking away, tick, you know. Um, and so things sometimes, just little melodic ideas will pop out and I'll, I'll, just, you know, I'll be singing it to myself and going, "This is I've got to remember this. So I'll mm. sing it into, as a memo into my phone. And so I save those on my computer. And so when it's time to do a record, I will go through all these little kind of, in a sense, these work tapes of, mm. of melodic ideas and riffs and things that I've worked on. I might, you know, be playing the guitar and you know, fiddling around on, on some notes, and that something pops out that, I, I, that surprises me, and I you know, work that into something. Yeah. So it's 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 a little bit like a a, a jotter, you know, a sketch block in it for an artist, you know, where yeah. you know, some little detail of some building or or a person they've seen, you know, they might sketch that, and you know, mm. just to, to commit it to memory or a sense or record it, and then when you go back to work on a major piece, like oh, this is this is interesting, this idea, and mm. they'll do that. So the same way with a song. So I tend to do nothing unless I'm forced. <laughs> so I have to book, book rehearsal time, you know, demo time, studio time and producers and budgets and do all that stuff. Lock myself into a, a process of like in three months we're doing the recording and this is what's gonna happen. So to make myself actually finish these damn songs. So then when, that, when, that, when I've locked into that, I will then have to do something. So I just don't allow myself, I make myself uh, sit at my table in my, in my house Nine o'clock till twelve.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not allowed to get up.
2: Okay.
1: Just like most riders, you've probably yeah. heard this before, and mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Can't get up. And the first three days are kind of can be kind of torturous. Yeah. Um, but the but usually the third or fourth day, the so magic happens happen. because mm-hmm. basically your ego or or ed, whichever one it is gives up. The, the, the inner critic retires because it says, yeah. look, I and there's no point me you know yelling at him now because he's going to be sitting here for, for two hours no matter what. So you, you switch that part of your brain switches off, okay, and and uh, and you start to be freer to pl- to, to play uh, in an un, in a, you know, unconscious way, and and it took be- me
0: forty years to overcome my inner critics. <laughs> uh, well, you, you, the inner critic's
1: are always there, obviously. And when you're editing yourself, and you know when you're writing, as I say, when yeah. I'm sort of trying to hone a lyric, mm-hmm. you need that critic to kind of like go, "That's not good enough. That's not saying yes. what you think it says." Mm-hmm. You know, you can't let that go.
2: Yeah,
1: that's when it's useful, but mm-hmm. it's not useful in the initial phases when you are trying to just generate. Mm. You know some unconscious things to come out that that you know surprise you if you mm-hmm. if you're trying to construct them from think from your critic that's going to be all things you already know and you always always say well that sounds like that i'm not going to do that now am i yeah. you know you'll stop yourself yeah so yeah. it's inhibiting yeah. but um yeah so that's the thing so i just you know just give myself a routine you know five days a week mm-hmm. whatever and once the flow starts then it's kind of trying to stop me writing. You know, it just—it's just—it's—it's it's flowing, and and it's just—it's wonderful, and and I, you know, I'm in that sort of slightly aroused state, <laughs> uh, you know, where you know the endorphins are in, are yeah. kicking in, and you're just, um, you know, and you're and you're popping, ideas are popping out. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm starting to suspect I might have a slight amount of bipolar there that's behind that, so I do get slightly, mm. uh, you know, a little bit over stimulated.
0: I, I was going to ask you because a lot of the songs from the Huda are upbeat kind of songs but the lyrics aren't always upbeat is that a reflection of your mood or personality or was it you just decided this is the type of music I want to play
1: I just like strong melodies and and rhythms and and you know as I came from punk rock and I just like things that that have energy Uh, even when it's a ballad I like the song the song to have a kind of you know momentum to it and not just be amorphous and sort of you know drifting along I like it to feel you know, some inner momentum. Mm. And, and yeah, it's just the sort of music I, I, I that's what I write. I mean, I, I it's not a choice, it's just what I do. Mm. Um, it's a choice in the sense that, I guess I'm writing those songs, you know, I'm choosing to write them, but it's just how I feel. And, and you know, I, I'm just lucky uh, in, you know, if I was someone that wrote, you know, very abstruse classical music or, you know, folk music or something I'd be probably not you would be talking to me right now because mm. I'd be unheard of you know and I'm just lucky that I I'm in this area where that sort of music can get attention and you know I've managed to sort of break through that barrier of radio and whatever it was back in the day that kind of made my songs reach people and that that they could actually come and still know who I am today and want to hear those songs
0: mm. and you guys are still like touring and yeah, yeah. and doing a mix of shows as well so not just big venues you still pop into smaller venues now and again i mean oh. i'll be honest
1: less of that these days yeah. let's be honest um and covid <laughs> has made that problematic yeah. i caught covid the last two small gigs i've oh. done really uh anyway yeah. but um yeah we caught uh i caught covid in march uh, from a pub show we were doing the up before doing the new zealand tour um we did a couple of shows in the north coast of new south wales and um i caught covid mm. And then I caught COVID the other night uh, when I did a, my my old punk band. We did our final show in Sydney after you know so many years, and we just decided to, to do one a couple more shows. Mm. And I got COVID the next day from that. Oh. So I mean, whether I caught it at the venue or flying airplanes, mm. whatever you can't tell. But um, yeah, so yeah, but uh, not all about COVID too. Um, we just love playing. You know, we'd play anywhere. It's not a it's not a, a chore for us. Mm. We love we love playing music. We love. That liberation of, of being in music you know, yeah. um, the way I describe it these days is that you yourself are, are an instrument and so when, you, when you're when you on stage you're getting to basically switch off from all the other stuff going on in your life that you know, is, is a nuisance or mm. is, you know, you can't control and you're in a, in a sort of, a, you know, not a trance but you are you know, totally immersed in music mm. and exuding music and in, you know, surrounded by music and it's just it's quite an incredible trip, you know, and and um, it's addictive, I guess, in that sense, because you know it's not something you ever experience any other way in your life. I mean, obviously, we all have rapturous experiences in different areas of our life, but music's one way that this, you know, that musical uh, rush is yeah, unique. Yeah.
0: Now, just um, for. People exploring songwriting, yep. um, so whether it, they want to break into a career or just as a hobby, yep. what tips and tricks have you got for people?
1: Uh, well, firstly, for the hobby, um, the 10,000 hours theory about everything in life is, mm. you know, I mean, I don't know whether it's literally 10,000 hours, but the more songs you write, the better songs you'll write. Yep. So that's the first thing. So don't get too hung up on the ones you've just mm. written and think that that's, you know, people are going to fall in love with these songs right now. Move on If they don't connect to people, don't worry about it. Write some more. Um, Don't just keep pushing Mm. things because... I mean, that begs the question of what are you doing it for? Are you doing it to become famous or have other people pat you on the back? Yeah. Then that's probably not the most Mm. uh, fruitful avenue. I mean, it might happen for you, but it usually doesn't. You know, the odds are, you know, vanishingly small, that Mm. you'll become someone like me that's had enough luck to succeed in their career and be able to still do it many decades later you know we're very rare on the ground (laughs) and out of the number of people doing music you know and doing great music
2: Mm.
1: but you know um yeah just write songs and and obviously another way thing to do is also have an audience for your song because they will teach you about what what you are doing that's good because even though people can misunderstand songs or not get it you know and they can be you know Ignorant of how brilliant you are. Yes, <laughs> they will. You know, in some ways, you'll learn. You know, well, this one really gets people feeling something. I can because you will feel that energy, like I talk about. You know, mm. the audience is part of the the, the equation, and and so you will feel that. you will feel the response, even if they don't tell you. You'll feel that you you you've reached them, mm. and that'll teach you something about yourself. as the sort of song the way you, you know this this song works, and why does that work? You feel it yourself. Why you know somehow it'll teach you. Yeah. Um, without, you know, being some sort of course you have to take. You know, yeah. ten, 10 ways to write a song, there's no such thing. Mm. For people that want to do it for a career, I could only say that it's very difficult, uh, like any career, you know, to, it's it and, and the arts especially, you know, there's very few people make a living out of doing the arts. Mm. And it's like um, people that do dance, uh, I think, you know, which is another art form I really respect. I mean, I respect them all, but that's an incredible art form to me, people that dance. Um, it's, you do it if you can't stop yourself. Yeah. Because, mm. you know, it's great to have a dream, but dreams can become nightmares if you hold to them too tight and, you know, don't recognize reality. Yeah. So, mm. you, you know, do do music for the joyful things, but don't do it for the things that are extraneous, like, you know, what it can give you as far as, a, you know, status or money mm. or, or acclaim, because those things are not guaranteed. Yeah. And usually they're blind alleys anyway, so... Mm. The thing that will never let you down is the actual music itself. So, if you do music because you love it and because it's so fulfilling, then you don't need me to tell you hmm. because it'll, it'll teach you. Everything. You'll teach yourself all you need to know about music.
0: Yeah. And are there many songwriters out there that aren't musicians as well? Do you think that you need to be both
1: musicians? Uh, well, people can write lyrics that without playing an hmm. instrument or knowing the least idea about. Uh, I don't. Um, I don't know whether. Um, Bernie Taupin never played an instrument, um, you know, but he writes in a, in a, you know, song lyrics aren't poetry, they're mm. different, yeah. they're meant to be sung, mm. and they shouldn't really be read separately, and good song lyrics imply the music in a funny way, mm-hmm. and, and vice versa, the music can imply the lyrics, that's how, that happens for me when, you know, the, the notes that I write in, can actually suggest syllables to me, which can then suggest words, which can suggest ideas of what the song is about, that's how What's My Scene happened. Um, it sounded like what's my what 's my saying to me that little bit mm-hmm. of melody um, and so i 'm going what 's that about you know so, and I was kind of discovering the song as i was writing it the topic sort of was revealing itself to me oh, as i 'm writing it oh. um, but uh, obviously you know just uh, obviously anyone that loves music that's enough you yeah. know if you if, if you if you're musically oriented you don't need to actually play an instrument you can just tap your foot and mm. sing a tune and someone else who's a guitarist or a keyboard player might be able to find the right chords that go under that but you've in a sense done the most important part which is writing the melody and the, and the lyric mm. and you know that's you don't need to have a degree or, or you know of have, have learnt any technical prowess on an instrument to do mm. that it's yeah. just knowing what feels right to you emotionally and Yeah. So no, you don't need to have any technical expertise. In fact, some of the best songs of all time are written by people that were totally naive. Oh, okay. You know, like Mm. blues artists. You know, they have you know basic Mm. stuff. They've written written amazing things. Mm. That um, you know, art is expression, and you don't need a degree to do that. You just Mm. have to have to just be honest with yourself and with you know what you're trying to do
0: amazing so i think we'll wrap up jay but i just want to thank you so much for sharing some of your insights with us um i've loved hearing about how you write and a little bit of history about your music so thank you very much
1: thanks guys (laughs) big pleasure
0: Wasn't that amazing? He was so generous with this time and really got into the nitty-gritty of songwriting for us. So I hope that helps any of you would-be songwriters out there that are thinking of it as a career or um, trying to get into it as a hobby. If you enjoyed our chat, you can help support the podcast to continue to chat to wonderful Australian creatives by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our socials with your friends. Totally Lit is an independent podcast and you can make a contribution at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash totallylit. This will also help with equipment and podcasting platform fees. I love to interact with my listeners so feel free to say hello either by email or social media. You can email me at totallylitpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook, Insta, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I've also created a group on Facebook called Totally Lit Writing Community. It's a space to continue the conversation and share your writing successes, events, launches, and latest projects. I also share any writing opportunities that I come across and competitions and call-outs, so jump into the group and say hello. Thank you for listening to Totally Lit, and don't forget to go out into the world to read, write, create, ignite.